A little bit? Ah, I think they got it. All right. Before I get started, I just want to thank the youth worship team. You guys did a beautiful job leading us in worship tonight, and I'm very proud of you guys and all the hard work and practice you put into it. It was beautiful. So the title of tonight's sermon is Hold Fast and Go Bold. And we're going to be in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. But before we dive into that, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just, I praise you and thank you that we are able to be here tonight, God. And Father God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit just fills this place tonight, God, that you speak directly to our hearts, Lord. Father God, that you speak through me tonight, Lord, that it is not my words, but your words, God. Father God, I pray for those watching online. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit fill their houses, God, as they hear this word. Father, we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, But in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Right? In this passage, it's telling us as Christians two things. Right? We need to hold fast to our confession, and we need to come boldly to the throne of grace. And we're going to cover both of these tonight as they go together. Right? How can we come boldly to the throne of grace if we don't first hold fast to our confession? How can we, um, oh sorry, we need to have confidence in the Lord and that is the boldness to go before the throne of grace. It's completely trusting in him. Right? We can't be wavering in our faith and at the same time go boldly before the throne of grace. Right? In James uh, 1, 5 through 8, is it up there? says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let him that not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Right? We need to hold fast to our confession. That's that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and that we put all of our hope and trust in him. Right? When I hear hold fast, it reminds me of the rides at the fair. Anybody been to the fair? Right? Our family goes to the fair annually. And uh, our daughter, Jada Lee, well, yeah, not this year because covid but um, our daughter, Jada Lee, does not like the rides. And honestly, I don't either myself. But uh, Jeremy, Jarrett, and Nevaeh all absolutely love the rides at the fair. So uh, Jeremy had convinced Nevaeh, not Nevaeh, but Jada, to uh, get on the tilt-a-whirl. You guys know the tilt-a-whirl? It's like the one that spins while it spins and goes around. So he convinces her to get on the ride. And we get on it, and we're all sitting down. And before the ride even gets going, it just kind of settles in place and turns a little bit. And Jada Lee just starts screaming at the top of her lungs. She's like, I'm going to (laughs) die. And we're not even started. 
Shortly after that, the ride gets moving and it starts to spin and we're we're going in circles and she is screaming the entire time at the top of her lungs, I am really gonna die. And she's just yelling it so loud that even Jarrett, our oldest, could hear her screaming from outside of the ride where he was watching, right? (laughs) But the whole time she's screaming, she's also holding on so tight to me that she's actually making the ride spin faster right? Because if you lean to one side, the ride goes a little bit faster. And she's holding on and she's holding on tight. And she's just clinging to me to the very end, right? We even get off the ride and she looked at me and she was like, mom, I almost died. (laughs) And I was like, you were okay, right? In life, we experience up and downs. We're going to experience trials, temptation, persecution. Like Pastor Matt said on Sunday, persecution will come. Right? We're all going to go through things in life, right? Those ups and downs. I know for me personally in my own life, I've been through things and I've been through things before I was holding tight to the Lord and I've been through things after I was holding tight to the Lord. And I wanted to kind of share that with you guys tonight and give you an example of the difference, right? When, um, when I was 18, my mother had passed away. Right, And at that point in time, I was raised up in the church and I knew the Lord, but I wasn't planted and I wasn't holding fast to the Lord. Right, So when that had happened, it totally, I spiraled like that ride, but I spiraled off in the wrong direction. Right, I fell into sin and I wasn't holding on to the Lord. The difference is, is now when the things come in my life, like for example, um, my youngest daughter, Nevaeh, has lupus. Right, It's an autoimmune disease. And um, during this, like, whole COVID thing, that kind of started bringing a little bit of fear, right? But instead of allowing that fear to take hold of me, I decided to hold tight to the Lord, right? And he grew me, and he strengthened me in that, right? We need to hold tight to the Lord, right? He's brought me through it every time. In life, we're just, we're going to go through things. And at times, it might even feel like Jada on that ride. You might be thinking in your head, like, I'm going to (laughs) die. But hold tight. Hold tight to the Lord. Right? Are you clinging to the Father? Are you holding fast to your confession? The term hold fast comes from the word, I believe it's pronounced krateo. It's to lay hold of and cling tightly. Like think of Jade on that ride, clinging tightly. It's to use strength. It's to seize or to retain, literally or figuratively. We need to hold fast to our confession. We need to cling tight to it, right? With all of our strength, right? We need to get into our word and dig deeper into it, right? To continue to strengthen us, to continue to grow our relationship in the Lord, to continue to grow our faith, Right? We need to stay in fellowship. Right? Fellowship with other believers. Build one another up. Strengthen each other. Right? We need to hold fast. Because you have a great high, I should say we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus came down and lived a life here on earth just like us. Right? And he yet remains sinless. In verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He lived life here on earth in the flesh. He walked through trials and temptation and beyond what we've even experienced. Right? He was uh, tempted by Satan when he fasted for 40 days and nights in the wilderness. 
He was tempted with food when he was hungry from fasting. He was tempted to test God. He was tempted to gain all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down to Satan, right? And each time he came against those temptations with the word of God. He was persecuted. He was betrayed by his friends. He was beaten. He was crucified. He can sympathize with us. He knows, he knows and understands what we're going through, right? right? He's been here. He's walked it. That's our God, right? The enemy is hard at work. We need to hold fast. Don't be swayed by false doctrine, right? People are out there calling evil good and good evil. I am sure you've seen it. There is uh, earlier in this year, I was watching a video. I think it might have been on um, YouTube or something like that. And it was of a street preacher. And he's out there and he's, he's preaching and he's, he's speaking to the people. And I, I can't say if it was right timing or right place. But what I do know is he was proclaiming the word of God. Right? He was calling for the people to repent and to come to Jesus. They didn't want to receive it. In fact, they were quite angry, right? The people were trying to stop him from speaking. They were trying to take his, his little megaphone thing away from him. And they were trying to stop him with everything they could do. They were pushing him. They were waving things in his face. And even at one point, I think they almost knocked him down. And then they said that he was speaking hate and that he was being offensive towards others, right? This world loves its sin, and they call it good, right? When told the word of God, they call it evil, and they tell us it's hateful. They call good evil and evil good, right? We can't be swayed by that. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents. Pause on that. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving slanders without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read through this, I'm like, certainly I would not want to, to have that around me, right? I wouldn't want to have that. I would definitely try to stay away from a person like that. But when, you, when we're reading through the scripture, it also says that those are the ones that have a form of godliness, but denying its power, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what it says. And I want to read back through these characteristics and take time for us to even evaluate ourselves, right? Because we should use the word of God to evaluate ourselves, right? The first one is being lovers of themselves, right? Do we have any selfishness inside of us, right? Lovers of money, right? I know I've personally struggled with that and I have to like be diligent to make sure I search myself and make sure that's not in me, right? And if it starts to creep in, I have to immediately get that back out. I know my husband's helped me grow in that area. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Jeremy is very generous, right? He even like at restaurants, he'll give huge tips. 
So I know like anytime we would go to trappers, they have two different ways to tip. Like you can tip the chef or you can tip the waiters. And he always wanted to tip both 20%. So each time we'd go, we were tipping 40%. That was like half of our bill. And for a while I was like, Ooh, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Like that's a lot of money. I started to realize that was me being a lover of money. Like here he's being generous and giving and I'm like, Oh, don't do that. And the Lord really corrected me in that area. And I was like, yes, give, give tip big, help people give money, right? Don't let that get inside of us. It also says boasters to brag. Remember everything good comes from God, right? It's not from us. It's from the Lord. Bring glory to the Lord in those things. Right? Glorify him. It says being proud. Right? That's being prideful. That's thinking of yourself higher than you ought. Right? It's being wise in your own eyes. Pride can make us unwilling to receive biblical correction. Right? In Psalms, and this is one of my absolute favorite scriptures. It's a great reminder. It's Psalms 141.5. says, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Right? That should be our heart. Correct me. Rebuke me if I am wrong. And I should take that and receive it with gladness. Because it's a kindness. Right? Don't be prideful. I've seen people consumed by pride and completely fall away from the truth because they were unwilling to listen to people when they would try to correct them and try to direct them in love in the right direction, right? Don't let pride take hold of you, right? Humble yourselves before the Lord. It also says blasphemers, right? Not showing respect or reverence toward the Lord, right? Disobedience to parents. I paused on that a little bit earlier, but disobedience to parents, right? It's huge. I want you youth to realize like that's along with the rest of this, right? It's in there. It's important. It says unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, right? I've, I've heard Christians even say like, I won't forgive them. Don't say that. And, uh, Colossians three, 12 through 13, says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against the other, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And we have to forgive. I also wanted to read to you guys Matthew 6, 14 through 5 says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your transgressions. That's huge, right? As Christians, we must be forgiving, right? If we don't forgive others, we're not going to be forgiven, right? Be forgiving. Just knowing what we're forgiven of should compel us to forgive others. Right? It also says slanderers without self-control. Are you lacking in self-control? There's a good way to get that under control. You can fast and pray. Fasting is a great way to help you have self-control and to root that out. Right? And it's biblical. The Bible tells us to fast. 
right? It also says um, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Another one, lover of pleasures rather than lovers of God, right? Does your need for comfort come before being obedient to God? Right? That's lovers of pleasure. That's caring more about the way you feel versus being obedient to Christ. Right? If you're struggling with any of these things, get them out. Go before the throne of grace, fast and pray and root them out. Repent and ask for forgiveness. Right? And like the scripture says, don't even let those things creep into your household. Right? Don't allow yourself to become gullible. Read your word. So you have a firm foundation and you know the truth. Make sure you know what's good. Because Jesus Christ, our Lord, came down and lived a sinless life here on earth and laid down his life for the atonement of our sins. Before Jesus, there was a separation between God and man. Right? Symbolically through the veil and spiritually through sin. But Jesus broke down that wall of separation In Hebrews 10, 5 through 10, it says, Therefore, when we are sorry, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have no pleasure. Right? It says, Then I say, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor have pleasure in them, which are offerings according to the law. And he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Right? That veil has been torn. This is why we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Right? The veil was literally torn when Christ died. It's almost as if God was making a huge statement so the people could see it. Right? And then it was also written about Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke all wrote about it so we can read about it. Right? In Matthew 27, 50 through uh, 54, it says, And then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the grave after his resurrection. Then they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who regarding Jesus saw the earthquake and these things happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Right? They saw these things and knew that that was the Son of God. Right? The veil wasn't torn just literally, it was also torn spiritually. In Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, right, has gone behind the veil for us to serve as our high priest, right? In the Old Testament, the priest would have to go behind the veil to offer a sacrifice annually in the Holy of Holies, right? It says it in Exodus uh, 30.10, Then Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of sin, offering an atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is the most holy to the Lord. 
In Leviticus 16, 1 through 2, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons, Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come just at any time to the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. This was huge, right? The priest would need to go behind the veil and in, in a very specific way and only at a certain time. Right? The people couldn't even enter in. But because of Jesus, we no longer need a priest to go to God for us. We have direct access to God. Right? We can go to, directly to Christ who serves in that role of high priest. Because of what he's done, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Right? With a heart of repentance and awe and reverence for the Lord. So now that we know why we can go, why should we go? Right? Because of apart from Christ, we're weak. Right? We desperately need his forgiveness in our lives. Jesus didn't tell us apart from him, we'll do okay. Right? He didn't say occasionally come to me when you need a little bit of advice. In John 15, 5, he says, apart from him, we can do nothing. Right? We continually need to come to the throne of grace as we're continually in need of that forgiveness and grace and mercy in our lives. Right? In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the word tells us to pray without ceasing. That's constantly, continually praying to the Lord. Why? Because we need to be completely reliant on him. We need to rely on God. We need to allow him to convict us and correct us and lead us into repentance. We need to continually go before the throne of grace when we need that forgiveness. And, and to clarify, I'm not saying to sin so you can go before the throne, like to go and ask for forgiveness. That's not what we're talking about, right? In 1 John uh, 2, 1 through 2, it actually says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world, right? The goal is to not sin, right? But as humans, sometimes we have a tendency to sin, and in that we need to repent. So how do we go before the throne of grace? We go boldly, right? That's what it says in the scripture, to boldly go to the throne of grace, I know uh, quite a few of you in here probably have kids, right? I have three kids. And um, I can tell you to know, <laughs> are you including Gabe? <laughs> Gabe's, oh, okay. I was like, Gabe's not our kid. Um, <laughs> but we have three kids. And whenever they have a need, no matter what it is, they come boldly to ask for that, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter who I'm talking to, where I am, what I'm doing. In fact, all this week, each day when I was working on my sermon, I would try to actually hide in different rooms of the house, right, to kind of get away. And no matter what, one of them would find me. And they'd be like, Mom, Mom, can I have some chips? It's like, really? No, but they're bold about it. If they need anything, if it's little, big, they come boldly to ask for it. And that's how we should be with the Lord. Right? We need to boldly come to the Lord like that. Right? And lastly, what we can expect when we approach the throne of grace, we can expect mercy and forgiveness when we repent and come before the throne of grace. It's a promise of God. 
right? The world, the word tells us to come boldly to receive that. It's an invitation. Will you receive it? Will you receive that invitation in your life? Right? Don't wait any longer. Don't hold on to those sins or those things that you need to get rid of in your life. You can't hide it from God anyways. Right? He's going to know. Right? Don't remain in your bondage to sin. Right? Instead, hold fast to your confession and boldly go before the throne of grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, I just want to praise you and thank you for tonight, God, that uh, that the youth could come over here and lead and worship God and, and that we could hear your word tonight, God. Father, I just pray that you continue to remind us, God, to come boldly before you, God. Guide us, correct us, convict us, God. Father God, we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.